is Wyman and Bob. On Seattle Sports Station. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Every week we've been talking to former Seahawks and just getting getting some stories, getting some thoughts about their time in the league. And since we're around the Super Bowl, good to get some Super Bowl memories, Dave, from a guy who's been in one and he's a Seahawk legend. In fact, one of your all-time, maybe your all-time favorite linebacker in the history of the Seahawks outside of yourself, of course. Joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Sportsbook Hotline. You put yourself behind him. I know that. He's number one with you. We're talking about our buddy Lofa Tatupu here with us. How are you, man? Oh, fellas, I'm doing great. How you? How's it going over there? We're doing good, man. I just want to let everybody know that uh, the conversation is like, Lofa, can you talk Super Bowl memories with us? Sure, says Lofa. I'll relive some trauma that I'm still not over. <laughs> That's not what you do to your favorite li- linebacker, favorite Seahawk of all time. I'm sorry, man. Uh, you know, for the past several years, I get calls around this time, but you know, it's, it's hard not to sound bitter, right, about yeah. Super Bowl memories uh, when when you kind of go through one the way we did or, or I experienced. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it was it was freezing. It was in Detroit. Uh, never mind the fact we lost the game. So not a lot of great memories from that from that from yeah. that time. Well, you know, it's funny. I get I get calls every year for the play, you know, with all the laterals. Oh. When I was at Stanford, I was on the kickoff team, you know, made a tackle, but it didn't count. So, yeah, I know what you're what you're talking about. But wow, but, you you were out there for that play. Yeah, what are you piling on now? Are you getting back at me, Lofa? Yes, I was. Hey, misery loves company, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you this, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll we'll get past this and start talking football, but. Um, you know, I was at that game, and you know, we—I was sitting in the stands, and I guess I didn't really realize how big of a deal that was. Did you get a sense for that during the game that that the the officials were having a bad day? No, you know, it, it's kind of the same thing. I was so in the moment that you know, and a lot of us saw it. We weren't really discussing it on the sideline. It's like, okay, well, it's football, man. You whatever happens, you got to keep go back the next play, kind of refresh and keep going. You know, um, whether it's a good play or a bad play, you got to move on. And so it didn't. But I, I I'd be lying if I said when they gave Ben Roethlisberger that touchdown, when his helmet wasn't past the line, his hands were lower than his helmet, and he jumped up after and just pushed the ball across. It's like, okay, well, that's got to be conclusive. That was the word, the key phrase they loved using back then. Oh, it's not conclusive evidence. So it was, um, it was tough from that standpoint. You know, I felt like Daryl Jackson, that uh, DJX um, pass interference. Not a push off. I didn't think it was, but it could have went either way. I mean, the guy had him held right before he pushed off. So it's like, okay, if you're going to let them hand fight, then you you can't call that. But um, the one that really bothers me the most is is probably either that touchdown or – Oh, I, you know, I, now, now I'm on a roll here. Peter Ward, that was not a clip when, when he ran that punt all the way back down to like their 30, the red zone. Um, and then the, the one that bothered me the most is that they missed the offsides and, uh, by the nose tackle and the defensive end. And they called, um, Sean, you know, Locklear for holding, holding yeah. because both of those guys were offsides. And, you know, and we make that pass to J Steve right down the middle. I think we're at like the, the three or four yard line. And, you know, it's just, uh, so I mean, yeah, 
Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I do have some bad memories. <laughs> Glad well, we can we, bring you here to relive them all. Let's open that wound. Huh? We, we cracked the yeah. egg and it just came spilling out, man. It was, <laughs> but no, I, I mean, the, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so you didn't like all those things came back to you after you went and watched the game or did you just, did it suddenly or uh, sort of gradually hit you? Well, you know, the, the media, you're cause you know, the, the great tradition of uh, after Super Bowl, they, they put the losers up on the stage too. So you have to answer questions and, you know, and they just kept hitting me with question after question. And I'm a rookie at the time. And so I'm like, I'm not even allowed to give my opinion without getting slapped with a big fine. So I was just, <laughs> you know what? Like, yeah, whatever. Hats off to the Steelers. They were the better team today, but I think the only way, you know, you could really make peace with it, um, you know, looking back now is that the moment wasn't too big for us. Cause even when you have like eight or nine calls go against you, you're supposed to get blown out, especially, you know, in the Super Bowl. The other team, uh, you look at when Tampa and uh, the Chiefs played, you know, um, back a couple of years ago, there was a lot of questionable calls in that game. And, um, you know, it was a blowout it just turned into a blowout. And so the fact that we, what it was like 21, 10 or somebody, it was a two yeah. score game. Um, you know, I, I think that just kind of shows you that there was things out of our control, kind of like such as life, you know, you control what you control and is what we're always told on the football field. And it just, uh, you know, it was something that we could not have control of. Yeah. Well, they, the, you know, Steelers won in spite of Ben Roethlisberger because he was terrible in that game, but, uh, yeah. He had a rough one. Yeah, it was not good. Uh, but Lofa, I'm curious about the the week leading up to it. We always hear about that from players that have never experienced just the madness of media and just you know you're being asked crazy questions by media from all around the world. It's just it's completely different than what any of you ever go through. You know, on a week to week basis. What was that? What was the week of the Super Bowl like for you? Um, for me personally, you know, I. You know, Homer did a great job of kind of telling it. He'd been to a couple, you know, and uh, trying to tell us, prepare us, like, hey, this is what's going to happen. No bulletin board material, right? Obviously, that'd be, you know, uh, respectful of your opponent. But um, I had just come off of, you know, and I know they're just college, but two national title wins. And so, you know, there was media day there down in uh, Florida when we won uh, against Oklahoma and then the one in L.A. when we played Michigan. So, I was kind of, you know, used to it at that point. It was, um, it was nothing new to me. And so, but I could see how some guys can get caught up in the moment, which, you know, you, you turn your attention to this year's matchup. It's uh, the, the chiefs have been there several times now and, uh, and they won one. And so I think they, they're going to be able to play a lot more freely, you know, not having the outside noise get to them, but, but they got a tough, tough matchup uh, with the, uh, the Eagles. Have you been back to a Super Bowl, Lofa, uh, whether as a, as an ex player or just as a fan or anything since then? I went to the one where who was playing the Chiefs in the nineties. I forget. I didn't even really, I didn't watch the game. I didn't stay. I just, I went, I went to, uh, to actually plug zone in CBD. Oh. And then I, you know, I took, I went to the parties, of course. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but then I took off. I, I didn't care to watch the game. 
Yeah. Well, it's better on TV. I honestly think that. I mean, unless you have your team there, because I've been to, yeah. I think, four Super Bowls, and I just think the product on television is is really, really good. How do, how do, you, uh, how do you take in the Super Bowl? Do you have parties, or do you like to – I like to kind of just concentrate on, on the game and not have to talk to anybody, but what do you do? Yeah, I'm, I'm always down to party. And so, <laughs> so you know, um, this this year, actually, I think I'm, I'm going to a watch party over at Tulalip uh, Casino and Resort. And uh, you're going to have, have a good time with them. But but normally, yeah, I, I, I man, I love it's the last little bit. I, I wouldn't. It's tough because, you know, I get a little sad after football season ends. I don't know why. I mean, are you the same way? You know, it's like. Yes. Almost like a little bit of depression sets in yeah. because we're not going to experience it for a while. And so I was the same way when I was playing, even when I was coaching. But I guess when I was coaching, you get to uh, you get to go right into evaluating the talent uh, in the, from the recruiting aspect and and finding out who the next draft picks are going to be. But but man, it's yeah, it's it's getting it's starting to be a sad you know uh, week because I know it's winding down <laughs> and I love football so much yeah every year I like when I was a little kid I remember the day after Christmas I would be so so <laughs> depressed and I feel that, that way about football that absolutely see that's why that's why we always get along man middle linebackers yeah. <laughs> but we love the game there we go Hey, uh, one story we were talking about, Lofa, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Demora Smith and the NFLPA wants to do away with the combine, which has become a very big deal. It gets bigger every year. They monetize it. It's going to be any day before they open up the stadium and have 58,000 people in there watching it. I'm certain of that. But what what do you make of that? They they want to turn it into regional you know, workouts, essentially, and rather than have the combine going. What's your take on that? I am all for it because the combine dropped my stock because I ran a horrible <laughs> four eight forty. So, right on. We finally got something right. Uh, so, so, had that not happened, how would you feel about it? Uh, if that didn't happen, then I'd say, "Hey, wait, no, we need this." So, yeah, you know, I I don't know. I don't personally. I never put much stock in what a guy runs in shorts because the game's played with pads and then with a number of things that you have to factor in playing speed and like how does he dissect what he's seeing in front of him does he have a fast processor or not uh so there's so many things that go into it that i mean you can't you can't if we're doing a decathlon yeah let's go ahead and test the jump and the speed and all that but like the film's not gonna lie to me yeah well um yeah you know what that's that's another thing we have in common i also ran a horrible uh 40 time at the combine so yeah, that was because the doctors were all yanking on my knee and everything. But uh, but yeah, but it seems like the NFL's kind of they get they get things right, Lofa. And we were just you know talk, talking about how the Pro Bowl wasn't really that bad. I didn't think. What what would you think about how they handled that? No idea. I didn't watch it, okay. but I heard stuff play great, and that's always exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of it worked. Some of it did. They had a balloon toss and things like that. You're like, all right, you could probably cut that from next year's proceedings. But I like that they're trying to find a way to make it appealing. And you had over 58,000 people in the stands, Lofa. I can't remember the time they've had anything close to that for a Pro Bowl in the last 20 years. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was fortunate to go. And when, when, I, when I played there was in the fourth quarter, when that game was close, I mean, people, I almost lost my left arm to Sean Taylor hitting um, Brian Mormon. I was out there, and if you watch the video, you know that big hit that they ran the fake punt, 
and Sean Taylor came right down. It was a you know a funnel shot where the guy can't go anywhere. And if if I hey thank God I was not faster because if I was Sean would have taken my left arm and uh, and then attached it to uh, Mormon's face mask. Oh my goodness! <laughs> hey, but we know you got limited time. So uh, before you go, what give us give us a heads up? You've got a podcast going, right? Oh yeah, Take Twelve Podcast. So we uh, we just wrapped up. Well, after next week's episode, will be our last episode. It's available wherever you get your uh, your your podcast and uh, and audio. So um, Take Twelve, that's the name of it. And we've been doing it for three years now. Just wrapped it up, and it's it's been it's crazy. It started up, you know, back when we we couldn't leave our house and couldn't go anywhere. And of course, you know, they were like, you want to talk football? And I was like, I would absolutely love to talk football. So, and uh, it took us over to Germany this year. We've done a lot of uh, raising funds for foundations and uh, it's been, it's been incredible. Who else, who else has been on the, on with you during those, those podcasts? I've had, um, who I, I Cliff Averill. Uh, I'm still trying to get camp chancellor, but uh, KJ Wright, uh, Leroy Hill, a bunch of uh, the former team at Trufant. I'm trying to think who else. Sean Locklear, I've I've had a big Walt Walter Jones, one awesome. of one of my, one of everybody's favorites, you know. So it's been it's awesome, man. We we've had a really good time with it, and uh, and just seeing not just you know football, but what what guys are up to, you know, post post football. And then you'll start that up again when football season starts again. Then, you know, we yeah we we'll probably start as soon as free agency hits. You know, we'll we'll go to you know we'll do a show maybe once or twice a month to you know keep up to date with it, and then the draft, of course. I'll, I'll, I'm, I've been pushing for them to do more draft coverage because I can't get enough of it. It's, it's something that I love. So uh, hopefully we'll see if we can get a couple more, more than one episode out a month uh, once that starts up. Okay. And then uh, zone in CBD, right? Yeah. Zone in CBD. The, you know, uh, it's just something that's changed my life, man. Um, I'm forever grateful for it. Um, it's just the mental clarity, the anti-inflammation, anti-inflam- uh, and, you know, neuroprotecting properties, so good for the mind and body. Uh, yeah, I've never been happier. And Lofa can dunk still. He can That's dunk. The other yeah. thing. Yeah. Put it on tape if you don't believe me. <laughs> oh, I believe you. I believe you. And, and quickly, where do they get it? Uh, ZoneInCBD.com uh, is our e-commerce. And uh, we got four products, you know, the tincture and the capsules, which it's the same oil, same, just a different delivery method. And um, and then we got the topical. So there's a roller uh, called Roll Deep because of the entourage effect. Because entourages roll deep. And then <laughs> we we have an energy effect, like a pre workout. But I didn't want to call it a pre workout because it doesn't. For people that take a lot of pre workout, they're used to like the jitters and like their skin crawling. This does none of that. This. There's no no jitters and there's no crash. You know, a couple hours later, just uh, long lasting, great quality energy. All right, you know, why don't you go ahead and put on on tape you dunking? All right, well, <laughs> well go ahead and let's see what we can I'm, what we can. Oh, do. I'm doing it. I will send you that text message. <laughs> yeah, do it. We'll, we'll tweet it out. That's a perfect advertisement for the product even. Say, yeah. look at this guy. Look at what there he's able go. to do after a career in football, and he's doing this at at the ripe old age of 27, whatever you are now. Uh, so, yeah. 40, 40 years old and five months. we got to put all the <laughs> 40 in five months. Wow. All right. Well, cool. Yeah, send that video. That'd be awesome. That's 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 good promo. But Lofa, we always appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks so much for it. Enjoy the game this weekend, and hopefully we talk soon. 
Absolutely. Stay blessed. Wait, I got who do you guys got? I got the Eagles. Me I'm too. Leave it at that. I, I took okay. the I took the Chiefs, but I feel I'm in the vast minority. Everybody's got Eagles. So fly Eagles, fly. <laughs> I, I hope the Eagles win it. I, Jalen Hurts, big fan. Everything that that's the greatest story that they have. They've been talking about all week. Just you know, from Alabama, I've been following him there to Oklahoma, where he probably should have won the Heisman, and then. Uh, even them telling him to change positions. I mean, he's showing everybody, you know, what he's about, and I hope he gets his first ring. Yep. Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Take care. There you go. There's Lofa Tatupu as we continue with our Seahawks alumni series and <laughs> getting getting some uh, getting some flashbacks, which aren't pleasant for him in the Super Bowl. Well, it's it's kind of funny how he kind of got rolling there, yeah. you know, yeah. like uh, like yeah, and then this and that, you know. And I'd forgotten about a couple of those. I just the one moment I remember very clearly was it was gosh. It was, I guess I don't remember it that clearly, Bob. <laughs> I just made uh, Lefko blow something out of his nose. I remember very clearly. Uh, uh, no, it was, it was early in the second. I was trying to remember if it was late in the first or early in the second. They had held, and I think the Steelers had had like two or three possessions, but they had like six yards of offense. The defense was just shutting them down. And then they ran a reverse and I can't remember. I think it was the defensive end, uh, Grant. Um, what was his name? Uh, anyway, he he didn't uh, turn the play back in, mm-hmm. and so it got outside. And then their third string safety runs up, steps on the the yard marker, the thing, and slips, and just destroys his groin. And that was the that was the second string safety because remember Hamlin. Got yeah. in that fight yeah, and in Pioneer Square, yeah, and all, was in really bad shape. And so, um, and and at that point though, they had just shut down. And I that one play kind of gave them. I think it was like a seventeen yard gain. And um, just from that point on, it was yeah, it was kind of a mess. But the defense was playing really really well early on. But you know, yeah. I, Big was, Ben was terrible in that game. Yeah. I just popped up the box score. Do you remember any anything? Close I just to remember what his line it being was? bad. 9 of 21, 123 yards, no touchdowns, and two picks. Wow. That's why I say they won in spite of him. Yeah. And Antoine Mirandolel, one of one, 43 yards in that touchdown. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you know, Ben gets credit for that touchdown that wasn't, you know, the one Lofa was talking about. That was on third down, though, right? Um, so I, I, I remember, remember thinking down. that, well, they'll probably get in the next time. But I think Loaf is right about that whole thing. But I was in the exact same, you know, and it's interesting for him because during a game, you don't really get to sit back and reflect. You're like, okay, what do we got to do to get in there this next series? But, yeah, I was there in the stands watching the game, sitting next to Brock. I think I heard Brock Heward swear, but maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Um, but, yeah, and then we got, we went back, and there was two people. I think it was Dory and, and Paul were at the, the hotel where we were doing the show. And by the time we got there um, afterwards, when we were we stayed at the stadium and did interviews and stuff like that, we got there, and they were like, every call that we've taken has been about the officials yeah. and the officiating. I was like, oh, really? It was horrible. Then I go home and watch it, and I'm like, yeah. I get it now. I well, see. And then remember Holmgren doing the, the yeah. speech out here, saying we didn't know we were going to have to play against the refs. And yeah. they, they, every complaint was legitimate. It was terrible. I mean, so much so the official came out to Seahawks camp because remember they bring the officials yeah. out for training camp and talking about the rules. And 
came out and apologized he for did. how horrible they were. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, remember what happened? Remember, uh, I think Hasselbeck threw a pick, and then he gets... penalized for going below like taking out uh like there's two offensive linemen or defensive linemen coming towards him and so he's like did the smart thing get out of the way so he dips down and ends up cutting him and then he gets a penalty for that after the intercept you know he threw so it put him in even and i think they scored right after that play so yeah kind of interesting to to hear lofa go yeah it was this and then by the last one he's like and then they did this and yeah it's uh it's maddening and i you know a lot of a lot of people text in still there's a lot of old timers out there like me that uh that remember that really well and really clearly i'm looking at it the seahawks had seven penalties for 70 yards which the yardage and number isn't even really a problem. It's just where those penalties took place, at what point in the game. Correct. Uh, yeah. Steelers had three penalties for 20 yards. So you, the Seahawks had four more penalties, but they were just ill-timed, to say the very least. Yeah. I mean, the Seahawks dominated the time of possession, 33 minutes to 26 minutes. They had more first downs, 20 to 14. Uh, you know, you look at the numbers, They, you know, total yards they they beat them just not on the scores and those those penalties were killers yeah and you know to the point i was making earlier you look at the the halftime stats the seahawks had 154 yards the steelers had 113 yeah so and it was and it was 10 to 3 so uh, they they just they had them had them shut down until that that one play ends up uh taking out their what second string safety was, was roethlisberger a rookie or was that his Thought it was. I thought he, he was. was so bad in that game. I remember just watching that game, going, "Man, Marquan Manuel, that was the yeah. safety that, yeah, that slipped on the." And I thought that was really crappy. And I think they've changed that since then, where they used to have the sticks, uh, the yard marker, and then they would have like a plastic strip, mm, yeah, that was on on the ground next to it, and that's where Marquan Manuel stepped and blew out his groin. All right, coming up, uh, Major League Baseball is experimenting with another rule change during spring training. We'll get into that coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports Station. You remember that stat, Bob, that I... Do you remember I said that in the last that, segment? That thing about numbers? And I said I, I really remember this very clearly. <laughs> yeah, I remember the lead-up to that stat better. Seriously. Okay, so uh, the Pittsburgh offense had four drives for 17 yards and threw a pick at 10 minutes left in the second quarter. Four drives, 17 yards they were yeah. shut down, yeah. and then they they picked the pick a ball off, and you know, and the offense wasn't great, but yeah, that was. And then I think there was like a reverse, and then there was the reverse pass. So anyway, yeah, and uh, it I was think Alexander had a decent game, didn't he? I, I I thought he had almost 100 yards in that game. Yeah, I mean, I, didn't Jeremy Stevens? Did he have a I have to decent game? But yeah, it, it was. The more you look at it, the more frustrating it is, and you know, I thought. I didn't think Lofa would bring up the whole um, – he had 95 yards, by the way, Sean Alexander. Uh, Willie mm. Parker had 93, and they had like 180 uh, rushing. But, um, but yeah, I didn't think he would bring up the, the Roethlisberger thing, you know, and everybody saying that's – because I think – I thought it was third down, but, yeah, it still wasn't a touchdown. Yeah, it's just – Any it way just, you look at it. Well, it just added to the whole – the officials are, are brutal. 
they, yeah. it added to that whole story. It just it the, the penalties couldn't have come at worse times, and it wasn't the number so much as when they took place and just how how yeah. poorly they were called. It was third and one. Yeah. It was third and one at the one, and uh, he gets the touchdown. So they could have came back, and you know, from six inches away, you think, yeah, they probably would have scored. So that one didn't bother me that much. But yeah, they were stinking. Bothered Lofa. He was he was terrible in that game. Big bad. Roethlisberger. Yeah. No touchdowns. Two picks. Nine of twenty. You could take away in that Ugh. game. Yeah, <laughs> he's terrible. Hey, uh, I don't. I sent this to you guys last night. I thought this was actually pretty cool. But uh, MLB's already, you know, they're trying to shorten the games. They're doing all these different little things to try to shorten the games. And one of the things they're they're gonna do in in uh, spring training is they're gonna give pitchers the okay to call their own pitches on PitchCom. So they're gonna be able to rather than look into the catcher or listen for the catcher. I guess at this point, you know, to push the buttons and you know shake them off or you know agree to the pit whatever. The pitcher is going to send a signal to the catcher and say, "This is what's coming." Mm. How about? I thought that was kind of interesting that I hadn't even really considered it with all the conversations we've we've had about pitchcom and you know how how much how easy is it? How do you like it? You know, the catcher's got it. You know, on a little piece of Velcro, like Cal Raleigh puts it on his knee, kind of behind that shin guard, a little piece of Velcro keeping it there, and hadn't even really considered. Well, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense to have the pitcher be able to. Yeah, I don't know where they'll put the device, if they'll be on the wrist or something where they can just push a button or whatever they do and say, All right, curveball. Do you think do you think Cal will like that if he has Matt Brash on the mount? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm gonna do all the talking yeah. and you're gonna listen. But I mean, you know, uh, look. Obviously, you have have pitchers. They're they're shaking the catcher yeah. off anyway. Might as well just cut to the chase, right? Yeah, and then you know, does it save? How much time does it save ultimately? Well, maybe not a ton, but it's just it, you're chipping away a little here, a little there. I don't I don't know that they can do anything outside of actually shortening the game to seven innings. That's going to make enough of a difference for somebody who says baseball takes too long to where they're going to go. Okay, now I'm in. You know what I mean? All these, the pitch clock and the mound visits and this kind of thing, it's all going to shorten the game, but we're talking about, you know, maybe it saves 30 seconds here and it saves 45 seconds there. And, you know, in a grand total of uh, their, their game's now 15 minutes shorter than it used to be. For somebody who thinks baseball's slow and boring, is that going to be enough to bring them to the park? Yeah, probably not. But, you know, it, that whole thing has always mystified me anyway because, to me, I look at a baseball game like going to a movie or – just going and, you know, I'm going to go lay on the bed and watch, you know, trading places or whatever. Yeah. I don't, it, it's a leisurely activity. And, you know, and the, the good thing about baseball is, like I always say, it's a great date. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to talk to somebody, football, not, not good. Soccer, no. <laughs> they're standing the whole time. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, uh, hockey probably, I mean, moves so fast, but baseball is just awesome. And I think it's, yeah, I don't, I've never, ever watched a game and or been at a game and gone oh my god this is taking forever no yeah yeah so i that part i i I don't worry about anyway i think the numbers and more scoring and obviously the the bases being bigger maybe there'll be uh, more stolen bases more you know more action right yeah i can i can appreciate that they're being this aggressive that they're being this uh thinking outside the box baseball is looked at as always kind of 
you know, behind the curve. They're slow to change. They're reluctant to change. And, and they're sort of embracing technology in different ways now, trying to shorten the game, trying to appease those that, you know, the attention span's getting shorter and shorter all the time, Dave. So we've got to keep yeah. people's focus in baseball. I'm sorry, what, what were you saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so here it is. Major League Baseball will permit pitchers in spring training to wear wristbands that will let them signal to the catcher what's coming next. So that experiment will begin February 24th when exhibition play opens with Seattle, San Diego, Texas, Kansas City matchups in the Cactus League. So the Mariners are going to be right there at the beginning of that. There we go with our uh, rival. Yeah. The, the hated San Diego the hated Padres. San Diego Padres. Uh, no, the, the beauty is they actually have a rival now. It's the Astros, and they're easy yeah. to hate. Very easy to hate. Yeah, so, unless you're a huge... Astro fan like myself. So. <laughs> Somebody sent in a text earlier, like Dave, are you picking your 49ers to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> no, I picked the Philadelphia Eagles. What was the thing you guys said to get? Lefko said something about it. he's going to get me a Houston Astro hat with a. No, I said we should get the, you a 49er jersey with with uh, Goodell's name on the back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you could wear your Astros hat. I thought you were going <laughs> to Altuve. What about Altuve on the back of a, a Niner jersey? No, I do not like either of those teams. I just suggested that you might root for them since they beat you. That's the that's the one thing that, that makes sense. But, no, I think that I, I've, this is very exciting to me uh, just to see how it changes and more than anything the shift. Um, if, do the bases really make that big of a deal? I mean, how many times do you see? I mean, I guess it's it's probably a significant number where you see the guy gets thrown out by like three inches. Yeah, it was by a fingertip, and we'll, yeah, you know, we've watched the review. Like, all right, it's super slow mo, and you're still trying to see does the hand yeah. touch the base first or does the glove touch him? So yeah, maybe it will make a bigger difference than we're giving credit. I remember there was a, there was an out. Where the guy's one of his straps or his the lace on his glove oh, yeah, touched. That's right. I think that was, that was a, lame. That went uh, against us. But uh, yeah, I, I think that probably not so much the the speed of the game. I like I said, I, I've never thought that that's a problem anyway. But obviously, they want to try to keep up with the kids. So and trying then, to appease the children so yeah. that they can maintain their focus. Right. I mean, what, how can you not? Just, I mean, big deal if it's three hours or three hours and ten minutes or, you know, two and a half hours. I, to me, that doesn't bother me. But I, I do think that um, that it's going to be fairly noticeable yeah. with the shift and getting, you know, more runners on the base paths. Well, and the beauty of, of this team right now is that they're a good team. And they've been a good team for a couple of seasons now. And I expect them to be just that much better this season. The games are long when your team stinks. Yeah. That's the reality. That's, yeah, and we we had that for ten years, long time. Yeah, we talked more than ten. There's talk <laughs> about uh, there's talk about uh, how much that uh, the Mariners have benefited us. Uh, they've mm. been really really awesome for our show the last two years. Two years, yeah. Ten years yeah. before that, it was uh, kind different. of an anchor, but a little, little different story. Yeah. So yeah. like we, I'll tell you, it's it's been a godsend. I've I've loved it. I've I love baseball more than than I ever have. And this team is just so easy to get behind. So make the games long. Don't care. Well, but, but I, don't you think there's some truth to that though? When you, your season means something, and these games mean something, it doesn't mean there's gonna not going to be a night where you're out there freezing and the team's not playing well. It's going to feel like a long night. But overall, you're invested in a different way. So everything means more, and you're focused more versus ah, another season where they're not going anywhere. And those games are going to feel long. Yeah. It's, 
Right. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, there's just uh, there's just I remember at the end of some of those games and like, you know, 17, 18, they they try not to show the stands, you know, in those games. (laughs) Very tight shot on the field there. By the way, the 206 suggesting that on the back of my jersey, I get golf. (laughs) (laughs) Not El Tufe. Jared Goff. Goff on a 49ers jersey wearing an Astros hat. Perfect. There we go. Perfect. All right. Coming up, 49ers seem pretty bitter about their NFC title game loss, according to some out there. We'll hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. DK Metcalf was on SportsCenter yesterday to talk about uh, everything going on with the Super Bowl, his old teammate A.J. Brown. They also asked about the uh, NBA Celebrity All-Star Game. He said he was maybe going to try to dunk in it. Stay tuned for that. But he was also asked if he's talked to Geno Smith about whether the quarterback might come back to the Seahawks. You know, that's none of my business, or uh, it's also above my pay grade. So, you know, if the Seahawks uh, decide to bring Geno back, you know, I would love to have him back. Just seeing him transition from, you know, a backup to a a true starter and just gaining the respect and the confidence of everybody else around him in the locker room. Uh, it was just a fun sight to see and you know how he really just took advantage of his opportunity and uh, you know it's, it's definitely going to pay off for him uh, you know here, here this offseason. He, he's saying the right things Dave but I'm just curious and I don't know what his relationship is with Gino off the field but if you're a, a you've got a buddy on let's say it's you and Paul Moyer and Paul's in this situation we don't know if he's coming back he's highly sought after coming off a great season wouldn't you be calling him like, Paul, what's going on, man? Would you would you be asking him like for updates just on a personal level? If we had cell phones back then? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> or you could call him on a landline. Those work too. But I, I just, they, I, he's saying the right thing. I just find it hard to believe if that's your buddy and I, don't, again, don't know the relationship, that you wouldn't be on the phone or texting like, hey, man, what's happening? Do you think you're heading back here? Do you getting bites from other teams? What do you what, Good question. If you were leaving, I'd be calling you, Dave. What's going on, man? What's... Well, <laughs> yeah, we're in a different age as far as, you know, I mean, you and I text each other like teenage girls all the time, man. <laughs> so, uh, or teenage boys, doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, or uh, We can both text. Yeah, or like Paul Moyer. I could mm-hmm. also say that because Paul Moyer Ooh, does text. He is a text. Long texts. Yeah. No, but I appreciate that. And But, I, yeah, we just weren't in I, – I couldn't answer that based on, on my era, but – yeah, it's it's a good question. Am I surprised? Maybe a little bit, but the other thing I would say is maybe they he doesn't want to bother Gino. Maybe he doesn't want to, you know. Yeah, I'm more of the belief he knows, but he's just when he knows? when he's yeah. being asked about, it, he's saying, "Well, I don't know. That's above my pay grade. I don't talk about it." Well, that that would be a, a veteran move, yeah, right. But I think also Gino's probably been advised like, don't say anything yeah. to anyone because you know you ever accidentally text people that you don't mean to text like if there's yes. a group that <laughs> happened to me one time i've done and, that a few times yeah or the email the email is terrifying because the stuff that goes you know here in the building yeah a lot of it is all. the entire building yeah and you know like when i regularly rip mike lefko <laughs> to certain people i don't want that going to the entire you know station yeah yeah you don't want to I'm surprised you know how to not do that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know how to not do that. I'm going to write my, that one down. My big move with texting is I will very often start to say, I'm going to say, ask you a question or say something to you, and then I don't hit send. Oh, and then okay. in my mind, I've sent a text to Dave, and then I'll look <laughs> back. 
Somebody, you yeah. never responded. I'm like, yes, I did. And I'll pop it up and go, oh, oh damn, I didn't hit send. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sitting right there. I do that probably well, too often. Some, they say that, though. Don't hit send. <laughs> Sweeping the dial. A lot of 49ers have come out kind of bitter after that NFC title game loss. And we won't make the joke because it's been made uh, about 49ers rhyming with complaining type of word. Whiners. Yes. So that joke's been made. But Debo Samuel was on uh, Radio Row today, and he said that the entire game, the entire game changes. The Niners blow out the Eagles if Brock Purdy stays healthy. So the offense wasn't doing anything nothing. to be, like, literally nothing. Nothing. Our defense was doing as what they were supposed to, and I, I felt like if Brock was in and our quarterback and how our offense moves – I mean, it would. It, I don't think it would have been close if that makes sense. So, what were the final? Well, you say it wouldn't have been close. Like you think you could have beat him by double digits? Yeah, like we beat everybody else. Hmm. Well, right. I, mean, I, I can't blame the guy for having faith in his team, and you know, I don't know if that's true that they would have beat him by double digits or if that, that they would have won it all. Who knows? But. There's no doubt it changed the complexion of the game when you lose your only two quarterbacks and you can't throw the ball. They they couldn't block Hassan Reddick. Yeah. I mean that would be that was going to be the case either way. And Hargrave again, yeah, I thought no matter what quarterback back there, their D line really conquered the offensive line. Yeah, for for San Francisco. So yeah, that's what you say about your teammate, but. I don't think that's the case. I yeah. think Philly was going to win that game. I, I thought you were going to say something about what I sent you last night because there was a Philly article writing about the 40 whiners and then they, they were citing a Robbie Gold statement and it was the most innocuous, like, hey man, Philadelphia is a great team and I was just full of bouquets and, you know, do I think, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was it was so nothing. He wasn't complaining, wasn't like, well, we would have won. You know, but just talking about, yeah, that changed the game, certainly, when you you lose both quarterbacks. and But Philly's a great team, and who knows how it goes. And then it was the whole thing was about how they just keep whining. They keep whining, and I'm like, that was whining? Yeah, I read that, and I was like, uh, yeah, that didn't really... I mean, I guess because it's maybe coming from a kicker. It didn't sound like uh, whining to me. <laughs> no, it didn't sound... I mean, it's a pretty obvious statement, too. Like, yeah. if you lose your quarterback, that's a bad deal. Everybody knows that. Sweeping the dial. In terms of the uh, actual game on Sunday, Chiefs versus Eagles, the matchup on the field, kind of forget the Chiefs were down three wide receivers at one point during the end of that Bengals win. They've had two weeks to get a little bit better, and today ESPN's Dan Graziano gave an injury update on Juju Smith-Schuster and Kadarius Toney. Yeah, he was real banged up after the AFC Championship game with a knee injury, but he's been able to practice this week, and it sounds like he's going to be good to go for the Super Bowl. That, that, that extra week in between these two games is a big helper in a lot of ways, and Kadarius Toney, who left that game, that AFC Championship game early with an injury, he was upgraded to a full practice participant yesterday, and again, that's the Chiefs' most intense practice of the week so a very good sign there but it sounds like the Chiefs at wide receiver are going to be healthier for this game than it might have looked uh, a short time ago well that's good because just going back to what you were talking about earlier and it's true of any game you anticipate you just want it to be a a great game compelling and you don't want uh, well if not for the weather uh, if not for this injury well if this guy were playing it would have been you don't want those just like we were just talking about Brock Purdy's out of the game sure would have loved to see Brock Purdy play that whole game yeah you know you want to just see the game at both teams at full strength and the weather's not impacting anybody it's just mono mono let's see who's going to be the best yeah I and hopefully they but you know you still got Travis Kelsey 
was Valdez Scantling involved there? Was he one of the uh, one of the injured? Was, yeah, he was the only healthy one left. He was he the was healthy guy. Injured. Yeah. So and Pacheco were actually. What's that? All the other ones are hurt. Though. Yeah. Can't even think of the third one. But. Pacheco uh, showed up pretty pretty big in the uh, in the passing game, catching passes. So. Yeah, hopefully it's. I just feel like with Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't really matter. I mean, Ty, uh, Travis Kelsey obviously makes a huge difference, but if you got if you got Patrick Mahomes, I think he can get the ball to just about anybody. Certainly feel like he can. Yeah, I mean it would be great to. He has his full complement of weapons. Hertz has his full complement, but yeah, well, you had him as your MVP. Yeah. Yesterday we were talking about, what do you have, 5,000 yards? Over 5,000 yards, yeah. 5,041 yeah. touchdowns. No Tyreek Hill. No, and the, Yeah, that was the other thing. That's what we always forget is, oh, what's it going to look like without that weapon there? Well, yeah. it was a career year in terms of yardage, 5,250. Career year, uh, no, he did throw 50 touchdowns in his first full season. He yeah. threw 41 and 12 uh, picks, had a 105.2 quarterback rating and threw... Uh, completed over 67% of his passes. That's he's really impressive. Good. Pretty impressive. Trent Delford doesn't think he's great, but he's <laughs> he's pretty darn good, Dave. I'm going to go with he's good. How many, what would be the, I know we got those uh, betting numbers and things like that. What's the over-under on trick passes from Patrick Mahomes? Mm. I hope we see at least one. You got to see one, right? It's not like you see him every single week because you see him in the highlights. It's over a couple seasons, but... I wouldn't mind seeing uh, a shot. You'd have to put it at one and a half, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's something that uh, it doesn't happen as much as we think. We, it, got, we see the highlights. Does it count as a trick if he's, you know, where he's flipping it? Through, it looks like he's throwing it right into the middle of a dog pile, and often it's his receiver coming out with it. That's true. Is like, it, how would they count it as far as yeah, is if that a you're trick? the— if you're putting the line out there, but I would just say anything other than a just regular throw over the top of your shoulder yeah. is a trick throw. All right. Coming up, there are a number of Clemson players who could go to the Seahawks. In fact, uh, one of the recent mock drafts we looked at, I think, has three Clemson players going to him, two in the first round. We're going to hear more about some of those players from the man who calls all of the action for the Clemson Tigers. Don, Don Munson is going to join us next year with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.